The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 20th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And yes, we are live here at the studio in Santa Rosa, California, on KBBF 89.1 FM. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I should never have turned on the news this morning. I could not believe my heart goes out to all those folks in Canada and that horrible, horrible shooting. And all I could think about is how sad it is. The planet is just so sad with so many frustrations and so many people, you know, being uh, sheltered in place like we are here in Sonoma County. And also just across the nation, across the world, I can just imagine all the frustration people are going through. So I just want to Send out a big hello and hope that you enjoy today's show. Well, you know, we're already <laughs> April 20th. I can't believe it. You know, and today's a very special day. It's called uh, the 2020 day for uh, cannabis users, uh, which is a, a t- 20, and now it's pronounced 20, uh, 420 is how it's announced. And it's a, called the Cannabis Culture Slang for Marijuana consus- Consumption, especially smoking around the time of 4.20 p.m. And also refers to cannabis-orientated celebrations that take place annually on April 20th. Well, I think it's very interesting. And listen, we have come a long way, baby, you know, to the days when marijuana people were fearful that they were going to be arrested. Today, today we have dispensaries that sell marijuana and they're saying that this is an essential place to stay open, I guess, to help people stay in a good mood. And you know something? We have to really recognize this. The reason that it has become essential, the reason that it's even available to the citizens is because people gathered, they gathered petitions and they went to the polls and they voted. And it also it's considered a medicine You know, and finally, it's found its way into our hearts and our families and our way of life. So I think it's it's just an amazing, an amazing, uh, an amazing thing that's happening. Oh, I'll tell you something. The stress of all this is starting to get to me a little bit. But thank goodness that we have the radio show, that we can come to the studio. We wipe everything down with alcohol and all those amazing things to make sure that we're safe. Ken and I are safe here. Anyway, I'm very excited about this morning's show. I have uh, Supervisor Susan Gorn is going to come on, and she is going to talk about what's going on in Sonoma County. Uh, She's going to give us some background on some of the programs that they've set up. And I'll tell you, I have to do a shout-out for Sonoma County. We have learned quite a bit since the fires because things are in place, and Susan's going to be talking about that. Also joining me on the phone will be uh, one of my favorite people that's Vesta Copesakes, who is the uh, 
editor and publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. You know, recently it has been sold to Sonoma Media. And the reason I'm going to have Vesta on is that she wrote this wonderful, wonderful article in the Gazette for this month called Steady Progress, a Perspective Over a Lifetime. And I think in going over some of the things that she found out, some of the historical events, I think it'll give us a little bit more uh, confidence that we will actually uh, get through this thing. Um, now let's let's talk a little bit about Earth Day here. Um, I lost my paper. What happened to it? I just had it. Huh, I just had it. Well, Earth Day is happening on April twenty second, and uh, this year they're not going to be having. Unfortunately, we're not going to be having any celebrations due to the fact that you know, of course, this virus. I'm just looking for my notes here. I just had it in my hand. How could it disappear? Hmm. Anyway, Earth Day is going to be on April 22nd, and I'm really excited about that. You know, this is really strange, Ken. <laughs> How could I have something in my hand and then all of a sudden it disappears? You know, maybe one of the maybe the polar guys just just followed me here uh, into the studio. But anyway, Earth Day started in uh, celebrating its 50th anniversary, and what I think we should do is let's get Susan Gorn on the phone because I cannot find my notes here. Anyway, April 22nd is Earth Day, and I'm really, it's really sad that everything, all these different things have had to be canceled because of it, because of the virus and what's happening in our country and across the nation, actually. And I know Ken and I, we've been having shelter within, and it's been a, it's been a real challenge for both of us. It really has. But, you know, we got to, you know, it was really funny because uh, Ken said, we're at the game phase. We got to the point of playing, uh, playing Rummy Q, which was really, really exciting to me. Uh, Ken won game and won, run one game, and I won another one. And it was actually fun having an opportunity to be able to sit down and enjoy each other's company and play this game. And also what we've been trying to do is not listen to the radio as much because so much negativity is coming on. Uh, did we get Susan, uh, Ken? No, not yet. We don't have Susan yet. Well, what I'm going to... First Earth Day. Is that true? Or not? Actually, it was a. It was called a. It was a festival, and actually, they buried a car at San Jose State. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was around February, February twentieth, in uh, nineteen seventy, and we called it a survival fair. And students organized that actually through the um, through a humanities professor's class, Professor Sterling. And he, Professor Sterling, went on to, to uh, found the Phoenix Universities. But then at the time in 1970, he was teaching this humanities class, and people were very upset with, with what we were learning about the environment, the, the pesticides from uh, uh, Silent Spring. Rachel Carson wrote that book. And then uh, we have experienced it in the cities of the, the smog. I myself came, came to San Jose State from Los Angeles, and Los Angeles was deep heavy and smog, and I had trouble breathing there, and my eyes were always burning, so uh, I had a burning desire for cleaning up the environment through that. And the survival fair had all kinds of booths, and people were were uh, explaining different, different things that we had to be alert to in 1970. 1970 is 50 years ago, and a lot of these things have still to be taken care of. Now, one of the things that we were protesting was 
the um, how the automobile was polluting the skies, and so we uh, decided to bury an automobile. And our original goal was a Dodge Charger, a uh, muscle car, and uh, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> we were able to raise two thousand five hundred to buy a a, a orange Maverick. And the Maverick is what went into a hole that we dug in front of the engineering building at San Jose State. And uh, we cheered, and it was, a, it was a big, it was like a casket that we were pulling this car around through the, the, through the town of San Jose and then back into the university where we buried it. And it was a very solemn ceremony, and it was, uh, it was enough of a circus to attract the New York Times to write an article about it. So if you look up the New York Times around February 20th or 21st, you will find an article about this survival fair. Well, let me ask you a few questions. Didn't you and the students, didn't you uh, raise money to to get that car? Yeah, we raised money. This, the students all donated, and we were able to raise enough money to buy a Maverick. So it cost you $2,500? $2,500. So was there any police? Did they try to stop you? Was it friendly? How was it? No, it was pretty friendly. We didn't notice uh, any any hesitation of, of the of authorities. Well, I think it's very interesting because in 1970, you know, I mean, it was during the Vietnam War was happening, and you know, here the environmental movement was starting, you know, what what were your feelings at the time? You came from a pretty conservative background where you were, wasn't very political or very aware of these. Was this the first awareness for yourself as a student? No, I was developing. I, I, uh, I came up to San Jose from Los Angeles in 1968 for the fall semester. So uh, <clears throat> I had a couple years of – there was an intense workshops on, on the campuses – a lot of uh, teach-ins, we called them. And, and we would learn an awful lot about the war that we were not getting in the media. And um, then later the media would corroborate that. So we were very anti-war. I mean, I, I was very anti-war, and many students were at the time. After all, we were carrying draft cards in our pocket. We were reminded every day, you know, about our um, susceptibility to go in and uh, – go to war and possibly kill people. So we uh, had this on our mind, and then the environment. So we had two things. We had the war and the environment, and, of course, we know they're all tied in together. Uh, but 50 years ago, and it seems like we're just crawling towards our goal. It's amazing. And, you know, when you look at it today, I was thinking about Silent Spring uh, when Rachel Carson came out with that. I mean, I was a young mother at the time, and I was I was so shocked to even hear, to even hear that all the, you know, that the pesticides. I remember going, walking around my neighborhood, and all of a sudden I became aware, and I started smelling. And here we are 50 years later, and we're finally getting around to having some control over, you know, stopping to spray all over the place, you know, for young children, et cetera. So do you think that day, well, what happened after that? Then all of a sudden, Earth Day, what happened after uh, April 20th, how, uh, 22nd? How did that come about? Do you, do you remember that? I don't know, because it, later as you get on to the spring towards Earth Day, and we have Earth Day, we also have the Pentagon Papers hit. We have the Cambodia invasion, and this is all stuff that is um, steaming in our minds so I'm not sure. I can't hardly remember the first Earth Day. More was in my mind the survival fair. 
Well, it's amazing. And it's amazing that that all those wars we came through and the protesting and Kent State. You know, when we look at what's, what's going on today and we look to the past, and the reason I think it's, you know, our history, our history is really our strength. You know, when you think about here it is, you know, 420, you know, the marijuana, the, the joke it was on 420, everybody lit up or whatever was going on. And here we have it legal in California, and also we it's recognized as a viable medicine. And it all happened because of the fact that people stood up, they spoke out, they got petitions, they put it on the ballot, all the different things that happened. And, you know, it's taken years and years and years and years. And it's the same thing with the environment. It seems like it's, it's never endless. And right now, when we're in this horrible horrible pandemic you know it's really a time to become aware of the fact that a lot of the issues that we're having now are because of the environment and we need to take a more serious look at that well i realize you know today it's 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 wonderful you know when you're doing live radio and we're right in the thick of it all here folks and so it's an amazing experience just to be in the studio and to be able to talk about this thank you so much ken i'm trying to i'm trying to integrate ken in to the show as much as possible because I think it's very important that as women that we have men allies and men need to appreciate exactly what we're doing and I hope through having Ken on the show every once in a while and talking about these things it will encourage that. Well I think Ken let's go ahead and let's try to get a hold of Vesta and let's see if we can play that that next song that we have on the queue. Let's see what is it? Okay, uh, we got Sending in Your Light is Not Plain. So let's see if we can see uh, We Are Here, sung by Shannon Burke, if that's possible. Is that possible, Ken? To play that movie, to play that song. Is this Vesta? Okay, we have Vesta. <laughs> okay, we're going to bring Vesta on the air right now. Okay. Is she ready, Ken? Let's let's go ahead and switch, Ken. Let's get get Vesta on the air. I'm here, baby. Hi, Vesta. You know we're having we're having a shelter in place moment here. <laughs> did you ever find your notes? Oh, I'm telling you. I I finally did. I'll tell you. It, I don't know what what really got me going this morning was listening to what happened in Canada. I mean, it just. And I didn't. I don't even know what happened in Canada. No, you don't so have sorry. to know. You I don't have to know. No, no, no. Well, listen. I really appreciate you coming on, and and the reason I brought you on is because you wrote this amazing article. I I was so impressed when I read it because it actually, it actually made me feel good. I mean, it's. I know that sounds kind of funny, but it does. And the uh, lead of the article was Steady Progress, a Perspective Over Lifetime. So before we get into that, I want to tell the folks just a little bit about you. Is that okay? I'll go for it, but keep it short, babe. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you know, since you know, since we're kind of we're kind of let's see, let's get Bex, Vesta Copesakes is a publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, a community building publication, both in print and online. SonomaCountyGazette.com. Her mission is to connect people to share knowledge, experiences, and love of our home. In 2020, Vesta realized her retirement dream to sell the Gazette, so she held her, so she go on 
to her next adventure exploring and doing creative pursuits. I mean, the, the, uh, <laughs> because that wasn't creative enough for you. <laughs> Oh, no, well, what can I say? Every now and then you need to change the subject. No, I know. And she yeah. later on she was able to uh, sell the uh, paper to the Sonoma Media Investments who purchased the Gazette in 2021. She will be carrying on the tradition of citizen journalism and giving the readers a, you know, a vehicle to, you know, in other ways, you know. And I really, I really appreciate that. Vesta, you wrote and published this excellent article in the Gazette, Earth Day, 50 Years, A Steady Progress, a perspective over a lifetime. Included in the article is a lot of information along with the historic perspective. Let's start out by letting the listeners know what motivated you. What was the motivation behind that article? I mean, it looks like it took a tremendous amount of work to even put it together. What was your motivation? Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm a grandmother. And so my mo- my daughter, who is turning 35 this year, started talking about, your generation really destroyed things for us, you know. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Stop right there. And then my granddaughters, who are 13 and 5, and I, I had this feeling of like, oh, these poor children, they're going into this world that, that they inherited from us. But we went into a world we inherited from our parents. And if you go back into time, you keep seeing how things got better and better and better over time. Because I always come back to the the river, the, um, oh God, I always do this, the name wrong of that river. There's the Dust Bowl, and then there's the um, Cuyahoga River in Ohio that caught on fire. That was huge. But where I lived on the East Coast, um, before I moved to California in 1972, we had the Hudson River, which literally, there wasn't even an amoeba alive in it. The Hudson River went through New York. The, the you know everything got dumped into the river, got dumped into the oceans. Barges would take all the trash of New York City out to the ocean and dump it in the ocean. Then the river would go down past all these uh, textile mills, and the textile mills would put all their their colored inks and and dyes into the river. I mean, it's astonishing how if you go back in history, you see that rivers were used as a dumping ground and the ocean was used as a dumping ground. The concept was the water would wash it away. And where would it wash it away to? The sea. Right? So, And then you see people who are fishing for food on the edges of these water. These are people who the, the food that they're picking out of the fish that are coming out of these rivers are filled with toxins because those fish have to live in the toxins. And so the, you go into you go to, into the, the history of Cuyahoga River, Cuyahoga River in Ohio, and you find that now it's an example of a completely revitalized river and the whole ecosystem around it. And the city is proud of its river and what it is now. And the Hudson River is teeming with life. And nobody dumps stuff into the ocean anymore. So you keep going back to all these things and going, it's really getting better. But you have to point it out to people and show them by example that, yes, it is, in fact, getting better all the time. And it's interesting because my article went online, and I got a letter from this fellow named Dennis Brazina, who has written the U.S. Senate Oral History, and he was an assistant to Senator Gaylord Nelson when they were establishing Earth Day 50 years ago. So he wrote me this letter about what it was like to be in the office with Gaylord Nelson and establishing 
Earth Day and the excitement and the charge that they had of establishing Earth Day at the time. Do you want to? It actually happened. Do you have the letter? Yeah, I mean, he goes, um, he, he's writing this little story about putting a rubber chicken out the window, too, but he goes, U.S. Senator Gaylord Nelson, the founder of Earth Day, provided the political leadership for this recurring national event. As Senator Nelson's legislative assistant, I was at ground zero in helping to craft the architecture for the initial national celebration on April 22, 1970. From late 1969 through the spring of 1970, I worked with three other legislative aides under extraordinary pressure. There was electricity in the air, a palpable sense that the national environmental teach-in was without reservation a big deal. I can almost hear the constant buzz of telephone conversations and feel the intense camaraderie, passion inspired by the sense of higher purpose reigned supreme in that small 12-foot by 20-foot 5 office and the fourth floor of the Russell State Senate Field Building, then called the Old Senate Office Building. Oh, how exciting. Just beat faster. There was a bounce in one step. These people were excited, and they established something that was new and different. And our generation, I mean, you're not that much older than I am, but our generation said, no, we're not going to do it like it was done before. And we're going to make it different. And so the concept of our generation saying we are going to create a social revolution, and we did. Well, you know, it's so proud of ourselves. <laughs> you know what? You know what's so interesting, though, when you think of the pandemic right now and everybody's shelter in place. How clear the air is, which shows that automobiles are a, are a problem, and some of the toxins that are being polluted into the air need to stop i mean we we've got clean fresh air now with all the with all the situations that are going on it's beyond just automobiles it's many 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 things but the the the, there's there's so much positive coming out of covid19 um there's a lovely facebook uh page this woman started called a view from my window and people all over the planet are taking pictures of the view out their window. And they, some of them get really, really creative about it. But you go, oh, look at that. They have anacondas out their window. They have blah, 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 blah. And then you see the animals that are coming out of the forest into the cities, a park in the middle of London with deer. <laughs> right? And you think, how fast Earth says, oh, um, we're, this is our Earth and we can fix it. So, so fast. And not, I mean, I bring it up in the, the article because we can't just depend upon it and say, oh, Earth will take care of it. We have to support it. But part of the thing that I see is really positive out of all this in terms of the shift in the climate is that there are people who say that climate change is not human generated. So just by having human beings shelter in place, you go, oh, yes, it is. It's proof that it's human-generated. So we're always looking for science comes with some kind of tactical, tra- you know, just a, it's a grounded fact. It's not an opinion. And so here we have the facts evident everywhere across the entire planet that when humans stop, things 
change and improve quickly with the climate. Well, I like I'd like that. to go I'd like to go a little bit more into the past because it's it's amazing some of the things that brought us to the present. You know that some of the things that encouraged us. One of the one of the most inspiring thing for me, like I said, I was a young I was a young mother at the time was when I read Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. Oh my God! Yes, and I, I was I was I was shocked because <clears throat> I remembered very very clearly. I mean, this might sound really kind of funny to people, but I remember very clearly ads coming out. I believe it was in, uh, it could have been in Life magazine, actually coming out praising the fact that we had these pesticides, pesticides and we were going to able be able to grow more food and more plentiful. And then here we are, some 50, 60 years. Well, actually, hers is what she wrote it in 19, I think, 1962. 1962. Which is eight years, eight years before Silent Spring. And it was, uh, I, my daughter was uh, born in 1964, and I remember picking up the book when she was a year and a half years old. And I remember thinking to myself about the baby foods and all the different things that might be affected by the vegetables that are being sprayed. So talk, can you talk a little bit about that? What did you find out about that particular era and what what did you feel was important about what she was writing well one of the ones that which you brought up in your um, outline is that i discovered the great sparrow campaign in china and it's it's very connected to the silent spring and it also shows the power of what a dictator can do and a dictator who says um and it oh god it really got interesting <laughs> That's why I put a link to it in this article online because it was so fascinating. Mao Zedong, I mean, there it was in the 60s, and he says the sparrows are eating grain and therefore people are starving. So he says, kill all the sparrows. Now, just like we have a dictator in Brazil and we have a kind of sort of dictator here in the United States right now, people just go, if if this person says we're supposed to do that, then we're going to do that. So literally, people went out and killed millions of sparrows to save their grain and the result of that was that there was no there are no birds eating locusts and bugs that ended up wiping out the entire grain supply over the entire country and it's just that whole connection thing right and so people starved far more than they ever would have starved if they had simply let the sparrows eat what share of the grain that they wanted so nature is always seeking balance, and whenever people interfere with some aspect of it, the balance gets shaken, and therefore something occurs. So like the thing with Silent Spring, her thing with DDT and all these, you know, kill all the insects, kill all the insects. I mean, why do we now have bans on insecticides and herbicides? Because it messes with the balance. Why do we now know that there are beneficial insects, not just the ones that are eating something that we want to eat? And we try to create a balance because nature works best in balance and just leave it alone. Well, you know, but it's hard for people to leave it alone. Well, you know that I think when you when you were talking about uh, ordering to kill the sparrows. It sounds like there was no scientific evidence or no investigation, like if we killed these sparrows, what would happen? And oftentimes I feel in today's world, when you listen to some of the newscasts or some of the attitudes, like, like for example, with the pandemic, nobody's even mentioned, I don't hear very, except for maybe some of the more progressive radio stations, I don't hear anybody talking about that perhaps climate change and some of the implications of what is going on has is creating more of these pandemics, more of these these 
these kind of viruses popping up because they're not being like you kill the sparrows then you know look what happened there was no they they took care of the locusts who knows what is happening with our environment that is preventing these you know making these viruses come forward and stop uh, preventing them from stopping so I, well, I think one of the things I remember many, many years ago that there was a definition of a juvenile delinquent. And a juvenile delinquent is, and in fact, this actually goes further into that um, children who are uh, victims of fetal alcohol syndrome and um, a you know, mother who's taking drugs while she's pregnant and the child becomes impaired. And one of the things that happens with those children is they grow up and they have, there are no connections between action and consequence. And so here I am reading this concept of a juvenile delinquent has no connection between actions and consequence. And right now we have a lot of people in government who have no connection between action and consequence. And I always remember there was a person in my life, um, she always think, thought about the consequences of every action to the point where she was frozen, stuck. You know, and I was like, lighten up a little because, you know, it can go both ways. It can go positive, it can go negative. But just stopping and pausing and thinking about, if I do this, then this will occur, is a wonderful thing to do. Because if in government you say, let's do a little projection into the future to find out what could be the possibilities of the consequences of this action before you actually take the action, wouldn't that be a lovely thing? Like right now, they go, oh, open the states up. Have they thought in advance that it takes two to three weeks for people to catch this virus and then spread it. And so, you know, uh, those of us who are like, oh, yeah, they, well, they now this new term on the, on the Internet today, COVIDians, these are people who go out and demonstrate for their ability to be free. And you think, oh, you know, one of the one was let uh, live free or die. Okay, that was the one that came out of New Hampshire and during the wars, and live free or die. So now this is on a sign that's down in one of the demonstrations. And you go, is that all you're thinking about? Because you are out there without a mask amongst a crowd of people. And if you want to get political about it, you could say, well, all the people who are voting for the side that can't think of the consequences of actions are going to die. But they're going to take out people with them. And so there's consequences to this action that they're not considering. And so all the people who think about, I, I do this, then that. Um, are, are definitely contributing to the more positive side of life. And there's more of them. I mean, I think there's more of them all the time. And that's why going back in history is a wonderful thing. You can go back and you can say, whoa, look at this. Somebody decided, and usually it's a leader, who decides that something is going to happen and people go, sure, 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 let's do that because our leader told us. We love the alpha leader. Right, and without, without, any, without any science behind it. Well, go back to well, the... Well, I mean, look at the plague, right? The concept of the church says that cats are, are agents of the devil. And then all this grain comes in on ships filled with rats and mice and all the rest of it, and the plague occurs because the cats aren't there to kill the the mice and the rats. I mean, it's just, you can go back in history all over the place and see there's some leader that says, do this, and people follow blindly. Well, let me ask you. Now, you're not one of those people. You would never follow blindly. Well, (laughs) 
I don't know. You know, sometimes when you think, when you look over some of the ideas that you had and how how things change, you know, and that's what people have to be willing to be open to, is to willing to be open to change. Well, before we take a musical break, I just want to ask you, what was, of, of all the of all the things that you found, what was the thing that really just really hit you hard? Well, actually, um, in terms of negativity, the Great Sparrow campaign, <laughs> that just made me incredibly sad that people would actually think that was a good idea and then go out and just follow their leader so blindly. I just, I'm always blown away when people follow a leader without thinking. Well, you know, and, in Nazi uh, Germany, they followed it when they said that the, that the, <laughs> to get rid, it's like get rid of all the Jews or get rid of all these different type of people. In fact, it's, it's, it's interesting even listening to some of the news now when I hear people say, well, we got to put the, co- the economy together. So, so many people are going to die. Well, they'll just have to die. And I'm thinking to myself, well, is, are you willing to sacrifice your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your child? I mean, it, it's, 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 it's the lack of understanding that we all live on this planet and we're all on the, in this together. Well, look at... It uh, did is you a connection that's really, really powerful. And like Andrew Cuomo said, you're talking about my mother. Exactly. Right? It's like, yeah. Exactly. Somebody's mother, child, son, sister, brother, just like going to war... You decide as a leader that we're going to go to war and people follow you into war and they die. And they're people's families, people they love. Well, they don't, you know, they don't, people don't realize that the cause and effect, it just doesn't affect one person. It, it, it's a whole family. It could be a whole community. It could be a lot of things. Let me ask you a question. Did you, did you have a chance to hear when Ken talked about when he was, uh, it, when he did the first Earth, Earth Day kind of pre-Earth Day uh, situation. Yes, yes. You know, I, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed at that because those students in those early days really it took a lot of a lot of uh, of courage to do that. Well, we're going to take a musical break now, and then when we come back, we will we will continue with this conversation. And the song okay. I'm going to play is a, a real. I really like this song. It's by a woman by the name of Shannon Birch. It's called "We Are Here," and it's. It's actually Mother Earth making an appeal, and I think it's it's very important while we're in this pandemic to pay attention to how clear the air is, to pay attention to how maybe you feel a little bit better even though you're frustrated being in your home because you have cleaner air to breathe, and it's very important. So let's go ahead and listen to this song, and then we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation with Best of Cope 6. Mother Earth says, now take good care of me. Please do not hurt me. Hey, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, And Father Sky says, now take good care of me. Please do not hurt me
another to be with our surroundings to be to be love that song mother earth is calling us it's amazing for you folks just joining us you are listening to kbbf 89.1 fm calistoga santa rosa and i want to remind folks that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of kbbf its members its board of directors or women's spaces well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I have on the line with me uh, Vesta Copesakes, graphic artist and founder and publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, which is recently sold, and in 2021, she will be on her way to do be doing other things. Welcome back, Vesta. And we were Thank just you. we were just talking about Earth Day and all those things, and let, let's talk a little bit about since the since the time you know when the first Earth Day started. What do you think are some of the really obvious changes that have come over that have happened over the last fifty years? I mean, it's kind well, of one in- of the most obvious is is recycling. You know, people didn't recycle. Do you remember that? Oh well, I remember <laughs> my mother coming over to my house. And I had, you know, one thing to recycle and one thing for garbage. And my mother's looking, why are you collecting that in your kitchen? I says, well, we're recycling. She says, oh, my God, the ki- Susan's going to get sick from this. I says, no, she'll get sick if we don't recycle. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was kind of an interesting moment. But people, people looked at you like you were some weirdo. Well, when I was in college in Philadelphia, and recycling had just begun, so this is like, okay, 1967 to 69, I was in college in Philadelphia. Earth Day started in um, 1970, right? So right in that zone, and I lived in a tiny little apartment, and I would put my recycling in a bag, and I didn't have a car, so I took a bus between where I lived over to the University of Pennsylvania where the students had started a recycling program. And it was the very, very beginning of recycling. And and we don't even think about it now. And many years ago, I can't even remember when, San Jose started um, doing curbside recycling. And it was a revolutionary program. So I, I wrote the brochure and did all the graphics for the brochure on this program. And they had designed a, specific, a truck that would go and pick up these 
different colored bins where everybody had sorted things. And it was mind-boggling. People were like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing. They took recycling to the next level. And then, of course, now it's evolved into this thing where you actually put everything into one bin instead of the separated bins, which is easier for us as consumers. And the trucks are divided, and people literally manually, and there are machines now that pull with magnets things separated out into recycling. And if you ever go online to look at Recology and their website, Recology is an astonishing company that has established so many levels of recycling to just the most amazing degree. You look in their warehouses and you go, oh, my God, look at all that recycling material, and it all gets separated. And some of it requires people's hands to touch it in order to get it to be recycled. So those, again, are people who are on the front line of everything right now in terms of the COVID-19, the people who touch everybody's trash to sort it out, to recycle it. So recycling, to me, was one of the biggest things that has occurred um, in my lifetime to change how things are. I mean, I, I garden in my yard, which was an old summer cabin area along the Russian River, and I'm always still finding glass because there were pits that people would dug in their backyard. They burned their trash, and then everything else got broken and left in, and they covered up with dirt. That's how things were done. Well, you know? it's amazing. So that's one of the big ones. I think the biggest change for me was is just the awareness, the awareness of how everything that we do affects the planet and one of the things that happened to me that was really interesting talking about the environment i remember when ken and i first started to date and he came up to sue noma county to visit me and he went out in my front yard and he started digging up the uh, da- uh the dandelion roots and i said to him what are you doing he says oh i'm going to take them home i says why are you going to take them home he says, well i'm going to make a tea out of them i said but they're he says i said but they're a weed <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at that that was my first awareness that sometimes things that we call weeds are really herbs that are healthy for us, and it was it was very very shocking to me. And then all of a sudden finding out about organics. I remember coming up to Sonoma State. I was I came here in 1973, and it was the community market. I'll never forget as long as I live. It was a group of women. I believe they were. I believe it was a group of lesbian women. So that in itself was a a, a big step for me at that time. This was 1973 and really getting to know the different t- different women that are involved in the, in the women's movement and they had they would have classes and we would they would talk about organic food and pesticides and all that and I remember I started my daughter was about 10 years old and we started with organic food and people used to laugh at me. They say, what are you talking well, my daughter, about? Because I, I was fed her really healthy food, too, and she'd go, Mom, why can't we eat just like everybody else? Yeah, right. I want a white bread sandwich, you know? I was like, well, if you're going to have a white bread sandwich, I'm going to make the white bread. <laughs> no, I, I no but it's very... It was very interesting because we were considered, we were considered odd. You know, Susan's well, mother you know, liked... To, to me, the, you know, as a mother, you're responsible for every cell in your child's body. From the time the child is conceived all the way through till they start going out and buying their own food. And so it's becomes it's my responsibility to build a good, strong body in you for your life. What you do with it afterward, it's, you know, just like everything else. You know, you take what I gave you and do the best you can with it, and it's, then I've done my part. You're on your own. Well, let's How talk. How lovely is that? Let's talk about 2000, 
right now. We're in 2020. What are some of the things right now? What is? What do you think some of the most important things are happening right now that we have to preserve and that we have to be aware of? I mean, I'm still shocked that we had a president that came into being and that he went and destroyed a lot of these environmental agencies and also a lot of the information, a lot of the scientific information, which I'm sure. I remember once when, when I worked for a company, we went into computers and we had the old manuals. And the owner said, throw the old manuals away. I said, I'm not throwing anything away. You never know when we're going to break down. And sure enough, we broke down for six months and those old manuals really paid off. So here we are, we're destroying all this information. What do you think is the most important thing that people can do at this particular time? Well, you know the APM Hell. I don't know if you do it in your neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, we do the APM Hell. And what it is, is a connection. And so the like I wrote in this essay, um, the well, whichever one it was I put in there, um, that we the, the COVID nineteen is connecting us on a on a planetary level, and we had become nationalized. The politics were you know between Boris and and Trump and a couple of other people, leaders around the world. They were bringing take, taking what we had accomplished with feeling global and turning us into separate nations, and then dividing us again within those nations. So division became the mantra of leaders. And COVID-19 comes along and says, oh, no, 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 you're not divided. You're, you're united. You're, you are all the same. It's a level playing field. It's a level of consciousness that is astonishing that a little tiny weeny virus comes along and tells us that we're connected and shows us that we're connected. And one of the things like the APM howl is literally where I live in, it's in the hills um, on the Russian River. You can hear the howls across the canyons in the hills. And they're going farther and farther. 8 p.m. every day, we can hear them farther and farther off into the canyons and the hills. And people are learning how to howl. And that was one of the ones that I found really interesting because some people, like, you know, learning how to sing. You, you sing from your diaphragm instead of your throat. Well, you howl from your diaphragm instead of your throat as well. It projects further. So you connect further and further out. And the Internet, social media, this virus has connected people across the planet and if there's anything we want to preserve from this literally i consider a blessing (laughs) is the connection that's coming to all of us that we all feel a leveling of the playing field doesn't matter if you're rich or poor where what country you're in you're all being impacted by this and it's also showing us that our leaders are not necessarily serving us so then we need to look for leaders who, who think collectively who think it's not you know the concept the concept of um you know, Bernie Sanders said we're going socialism, socialism, and he's going, there's a big difference between socialism and communism. Socialism is, in essence, what the Bible and Jesus Christ taught us about. We are our brother's keeper. We are, we, we respect the God's creation as well as the human creations. It's a connection that goes back to the, to religion and all kinds of things where the constant message is always connect, 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 connect. And politics comes along and separate, separate, separate. There was a time, and it wasn't that long ago, the Serbs and the Croats, Serbia and Croatia, um, just like Israel and Palestine, these countries had been divided by generations of war fighting with each other, and then things started happening. They became economically connected, and then people started falling in love, and next thing you know, 
there are Palestinians marrying Israelis and there are Serbs marrying Croatians and and when their leaders came along and said separate they went that's kind of hard now because we're married and we have children who are mixed and so I look at the land of peace on earth goodwill to all and could we all just keep mixing it's our mixing and our joining and our our just sharing life together and feeling all connected together as a planet as people that is bringing forth a lovely lovely change well there's another <laughs> there's there's, there's another there's another awareness then that you bring up because one of the things that i've become very aware of is that here we are in this pandemic and, you know, people are screaming for, you know, for uh, things, protective gear so they can go into hospitals and work with patients, you know, uh, people uh, uh, delivering food, all, all kinds of things. And we don't have the equipment, we don't have the testing, we don't have the things that we need and there's a lot of complaining going on. And and suddenly I sat and I, I just scratched my head and I thought to myself, wow, $730 billion going for military you know, and, the and then wall to divide us, right? And also, and also that money, you know, and then we don't we have the money for that, but we don't have the money to protect people. So we have to start looking as a nation, as a country, as a world, well, as a world. Wait, a wait, start. let me just finish. As a world, we have to start looking at what our priorities are, and our priorities have to be life because if we're not alive, we're, I mean, who are we? We're, I mean, we're here. We need certain things, but I think it's very important, and that we walk away with an awareness of what's important, and also where our tax dollars are going, which is very, 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 very interesting. Well, listen, we're going on. We're we're coming to the end of the segment here. Time goes by really quickly, and I want to apologize to uh, my listeners. You know, I, I think this morning I was a little bit flustered <laughs> and it's I, I, I don't normally get as flustered as I did but I really believe that just like all of us that we're all we're all under a lot of pressure and a lot of thinking about what is going on but at the same time we still have Earth Day on April 22nd and all the events have been uh, canceled and one of the things when I asked you for five questions one of the things you wanted to talk about was what do you believe that people can do while they're clustered in their homes for Earth Day yeah actually I it, it's interesting there was um, someone has suggested it's called a one bag and and I thought that's actually a really good thing when you go take your walk and yes if you're going to be around other people for any particular reason um, put your mask on wear your gloves bring a bag and pick up trash um, and it's, you might think of it as, as dirty, but actually, if you look at the, the virus and how long it survives on thing, and if you put it in a bag, that is a bag that you can toss as opposed to try to separate everything out and recycle it right now. Whatever. Pick up trash. Plant plants so that the, the plants can clean the air. Um, go online and spend some time spreading positive news, uh, spreading consciousness. Uh, the concept of when when you, we were young and the space program first started and the first thing we saw was planet Earth from away, we've gotten used to it now. We see planet Earth, we, know, we go, yeah, 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 planet Earth. But it was a huge thing at the time of consciousness. So if we take Earth Day and we think along the lines of the Earth and this is our home and we value every aspect of it, to reach out and touch people across the planet. I go on to Facebook and check out this view from my window. It's astonishing, all these people across the planet. The music that people are creating with Zoom and the various programs where 
people are coming together on a screen, making music together, find some way to connect on Earth Day and every day. And it's the most beautiful thing you could possibly do for yourself as well as for the Earth. Well, I want to thank you, Vesta Copesix. If you have, if you can give your last, the last moment here, if you can give us your website, how they can get a hold of you, how they can read this wonderful article. I mean, I really want to encourage people to read it. It's a, it's a, it's a walk through history and it also gives you confidence because you see so many things that have happened, so many positive things that have helped move us forward. And that is also important, but it also gives us a historical concept of why we're trying to promote environmental consciousness, it's very important to understand our history. So why don't you go ahead and give the website and how people can get a hold of the article. Okay, the website is SonomaCountyGazette.com and the article is called Earth Day, 50 Years of Steady Progress, Perspective Over a Lifetime. And the image that goes with the article, because they all have images, is the earth in a heart held by hands. One wake-up call, 50 years of Earth Day, April 22nd. And because the, the website has more capacity for connection than a print edition, um, there's links to everything that I mentioned in history, and they're fascinating to take the journey down those links. So um, have at it. And all the contact information for getting a hold of me is on that website, um, and it's been interesting getting responses to this article, and um, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. <laughs> this, this publication has been spectacular for the last 20 years, and I appreciate being able to do it. Well, thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces, particularly today when, you know, all these different things that are going on, and thank you for all the wonderful information that you've given us. There's always some good way to look at at, the, at life. Those rosy-colored glasses have great value. Thank you so much, Vesta. I love you, girl. I love you, too, and thank you so much. All right. Wow, what a great interview. You know, I just, I love talking. And two of my favorite, actually, two of my favorite people to have on is Vesta Copesakes and also Harriet Fraud. They're just amazing women that can really give us a lot of information. Well, you know, I thought what I would do, I would end, kind of end the show, because since it's fun, ETH Earth Day, I want to end the show reading a poem that I wrote uh, one day when uh, we were in the back garden, and Ken is a gardener, and he was growing sunflower seeds, and I saw, my God, their sunflowers actually have seeds, and those are the ones that we eat, so I wrote this poem as I took the sunflowers out of the, uh, the seeds out of the sunflower. With the seeds of the sunflower running through my hands, I saw and felt the oneness of it all. For it is in the understanding of the seed that we all, that we see all. For we are all, all of the great divine, the great process. Every form of life on this planet comes first within a seed. Perhaps the Big Bang itself was a cellular explosion of the continuum of seed. The great mystery is a simple fact. We are all of seed. Our fraxations and habitats may be different, but our beginnings and our needs are pretty much the same. All life as we know it needs air, oxygen, water, food, space, and sleep. All life as we know it experiences various forms of transformation. All have their beginning time, their in-between time, and their final time. There is no need to know anything beyond the truth of the seed 
We are all of one source. I love that song. Well, that's it for our show, folks. A special thank you to Vesta Kopsek, graphic artist and founder and publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. Uh, hopefully next week, maybe I can get uh, some one of our supervisors on to uh, explain exactly, give us an update on this. Reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again tonight at 11 p.m. I'm so excited. I get to listen to my own program. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements. And if you have any announcements, like a birthday anniversary, please do not hesitate to email me at elaine at womenspaces.com that's e-l-a-i-n-e at w-o-m-e-n-s-s-p-a-c-e-s dot com remember our children are the future and we must never lose sight of that never I mean never lose sight of that this is Elaine B. Holtz and you've been listening to Women's Spaces thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you the next time. Then the woman in your life as she's trying to come through. A woman's voice with messages. A woman's feelings. Oh, a woman in your life. She can feel. Take you home now, the woman in your life. She can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Because the woman in your life, the woman in your life, the woman in your life is you. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 20th, 2020.